If you're like me, you've wanted to buy gold for years. Lots of commercials out there. But who can you really trust? I didn't want a bad investment, but I didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process using the new Gold IRA Company Integrity Checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. I used it to personally vet Augusta Precious Metals, and they're absolutely phenomenal. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text CONTRA to 68592. Again, text C-O-N-T-R-A. To 68592. That's Contra to 68592. Or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Hello, Intelligentsia. Broadcasting from the Augusta Precious Metals Studio, this is the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. There you go. It is, indeed it is. Indeed it is. Another evening here with me. Tuesday night, September 26, 2023, the year of our Lord. Welcoming you to another information-filled episode. Where do we start? So much time, so little. How about this one? Let's just start off with this one. The Portland, uh, this nasty animal. Uh, the Portland police are at to pay a former anti-police city commissioner nearly $700,000 in a settlement. Why? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you. They've agreed to pay the former Portland city commissioner, Joanne Hardesty, nearly $700,000 in a lawsuit settlement after officers allegedly leaked false information about her involvement in a hit-and-run to the uh, Oregonian, which is their big paper out there. Now, Joanne Hardesty spearheaded the movement to defund the police and has even demanded Mayor Ted Wheeler hand her control over the police bureau. Hmm. Boy, that would have been real fun to watch. Hardesty originally sought $3 million from the police association, $1 million from an officer, and another $1 million from another officer. Uh, Hardesty is obviously under the delusion that police officers make, you know, routinely make a million dollars a year, which is just not true. But they sold out of court. And she was mistaken to be a hit-and-run driver with a 911 caller back in March of 2021. So an officer had shared that information with a friend who was an activist. It's like, guys, Portland. Who in Portland is not an activist? Stand up, please. It'd be a lot easier to count you. And who later shared the information on a live stream. 
The Hardesty was clear of the hit and run, but decided to sue the police association and the two officers. Now, Fox News has reported what I've already told you, but she was uh, she signed her initial original lawsuit was seeking five million dollars, and was scheduled to go to trial this week. A jury would have been asked to decide if police racially discriminated against Hardesty, the first black woman to serve as Portland City Commissioner and a staunch advocate for defunding the police in 2020. The city of Portland settled its portion of the lawsuit in August for $5,000 and a written apology from Mayor Ted Wheeler. The dispute began March 2021 when a 911 caller mistakenly identified Hardesty as the driver who rendered her and fled the scene. A Portland Police Bureau officer leaked the accusation to an activist friend who later shared the information on a live stream an internal review conducted last year found. Then Union President Brian Hunsaker also leaked the false information to a reporter according to Hardesty's lawsuit. Now, during her time as city commissioner, Hardesty routinely lashed out at police. She called for defunding the Portland police during the 2020 riots and even alleged that police, quote, saboteurs were starting fires and infiltrating the crowds of protesters who took over Portland streets for more than 100 consecutive nights, end quote, according to Fox News. Her extreme stance to defund the police and turn Portland into a trash pile of crime cost her re-election. Well... There you go. You mean they finally got one right? Nice job, Portland. The Gateway Pundit previously reported on Hardesty in 2020 when she had called the police on a Lyft driver over COVID protocols, even though she had called for defunding of the police. I remember that story. I'm sure you do, too. I'm sure you do, too. There's really no reason for you not to know it. Correct? All right. What else we got going? Ah, next up, Leo Homan. Uh, this is uh, this is a story out Gateway Pundit. Uh, uh, Leo Homan. He says, "Beware of the nations, states, corporations, or groups offering benefits that require digital ID. You are entering a covenant with death." Well, this was. Uh, uh, this article originally appeared on Leah Holman's Substack, and it was republished with permission. And I'm giving it to you. So all nations, rich and poor, will be wrapped into the new globalized digital system being promoted by the UN and WEF. No person will be left behind. Now, that's unfortunate. The nation of Kazakhstan, one of Russia's Southern Neighbors has partnered with the United Nations Development Program in rolling out a new digital ID that offers social welfare programs called the Digital Family Card. What's what's this got to do with me, you ask? I'm going to tell you. This is but one example of how the digital ID will come at you, regardless of where you live on planet Earth in the 21st century. We've said in the past that the digital ID will come in many tantalizing forms, tailored to different types of people in the social strata. Now, the one in Kazakhstan is meant to appeal to the poor and dependent, whether it's single mothers dependent on food stamps or child care or the elderly dependent on their social security check and government-subsidized health care. 
The end result will be a massive government spy network able to penetrate down to the household level of each family that signs up for this scam. Now, while the digital family card scheme was first introduced in 2022, it was unveiled to the world last week before the UN's, unsust uh, the UN's uh, Sustainable Development Goals Summit in New York City. This means it's a UN model program designed to be rolled out in every nation. The digital family card is being promoted to achieve uh, you know, the 10 reduced inequalities according to the Deputy Resident Representative of the United Nations program in Kazakhstan. A fact sheet published in February 13, 2023 titled Digitalization for Sustainable Development and Social Well-Being of Society explains how the digital family card works. Now, as explained by the UN, the digital family card is as follows. It's a, it is unique and that provides a single point of interaction between government agencies to support the population in areas such as education and social protection, finance, justice, medical and social support, and so on. Social protection. Well, I don't, I don't want you to, I don't want my feelings hurt. I, I don't know what that means. So after receiving the data with the family vulnerability assessment, the digital family card automatically initiates state support measures, identifies the responsible public authority, and through eGov, that's eGovernment, provides the service in proactive mode. Now citizens do not have to go to each of the public services to apply. Oh, well, let's just make a free-for-all. Open up the treasury gates. The principle of the digital family card is as simple as it can be. The potential recipient of state support is sent an SMS, that's a text notification, to consent to the provision of a public service. If the recipient agrees, a social benefit payment or other type of support is granted and then credited to their bank account. Mm-hmm. Now, the idea is to get people hooked into these digitalized frameworks enticing them by touting all of the benefits, the ease of use, the convenience, the free handouts, and only after the masses are fully engaged and addicted, then will they be informed about the dark side of digital slavery, like the possibility of being penalized for a low social credit score. This is the same system already rolled out in China. You listeners here, you intelligentsias, who listened to the Jeffers Brief have heard me talk about this for the last two or three years. All right. So it's now being introduced in one nation after another, but it will come in many forms using specialized propaganda targeting many different ethnic cultures and demographics. This is part of the United Nations Agenda 2030 Sustainable Development Goals, which is the global plan to control all of the world's resources, both living and non-living. The mantra of the UN Agenda 2030 is, quote, no person left behind, end quote. Remember that. This particular program was tied to the Sustainable Development Goal number 10, reduced inequality. It also furthers Sustainable Development Goal 16.9, which calls for governments to register every citizen of the world with a digital ID. Can you say Mark of the Beast? Can you say that? I know you could. You're the intelligentsia. 
um, September 17th at the UN General Assembly meeting in New York. Baghdad Mussen, who is Kazakhstan's Minister of Digital Development, Innovation, and Aerospace Industry, presented the digital family card to the assembly. Now, her presentation was buried within an over six-hour session of speeches dubbed SDG Digital. Now, Mussen boasted about how the government created a data lake comprised of 18 different data points and documentation from their millions of families, which include things like pensions, taxes, real estate registry, health records, and so forth, that allows the government to procure and retroactively update the digital family card. We can monitor social and economic conditions, home conditions, health care, education, and others. We are now able to identify family problems that need to be addressed, she said. Now, Steve Quayle posted an article about this UN-Kazakhstan partnership on his website today, September 21st, from the Wine Press News, and said any nation that enters into a partner with the UN is entering a covenant of death. That is something you prob we could all probably agree with, that assessment. Whatever you want to call it, this is Orwell's 1984 on steroids. And it's coming soon to a city-state country near you. So now's the time to be making plans and preparations for how you will live outside of this burgeoning beast system. And it is a beast. You will support the beast. And you will get the mark of the beast. I know, it's kind of frightening. It's right here. Now, for those of us that have a Bible and have been educated how to read and comprehend words, the printed word, you read your Bible, the book of Revelation, and it talks about, talks about it. it. talks about the mark of the beast. No one can sell or buy without the mark of the beast. All right. How much fun is this, really? I mean, how much fun is it? That's what I want to know. Have you or someone you know ever had a hard drive crash? Or maybe your cell phone or tablet died, taking all of your pictures with it. You've thought about backing up your data, but all of the plans out there cost too much money for just a little bit of storage space. Well, now there's a solution. Got backup? That's right, Got Backup will allow you to back up unlimited devices, up to six terabytes of data for only $9.97 a month. And that's not all. You can earn commissions by referring friends and family too. Got Backup is the only data storage center that allows you to earn income on your referrals. Check out Got Backup now. Log on to john-jeffers.com. That's john-jeffers.com. Log on now. Yeah, log on, because I need some customers. Hello, this is Dave Kirshner from the Dave Kirshner Lightning Round Podcast. Are you new or stalled in your preparedness planning? Do you want to learn more about herbal remedies? If so, then pick up a copy of one of my two nonfiction books. In Preparing to Prepare, I take a duration-based approach toward minor, moderate, and major disruptions to solve problems big and small, all in an effort to help you get better prepared for what life and society throw at you. In my Home Remedies, Poultices, Salves, and Tinctures book, I help you jumpstart your medicinal garden, plans, and ideas by providing details on over 30 ingredients that you can grow and combine into over 200 recipes. These recipes address everything from abscesses, infections, and pink eye 
to aches and pains, boils, soaps, and shampoos. If you've got an issue, my robust index will point you to the solution. So pick up a copy of these two nonfiction books today. You will not be disappointed. This is the Contra Radio Network. Broadcasting from the Augusta Precious Metals Studio, this is the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Yes, our wishes and hopes and prayers for a speedy recovery for our friend Don Lowry. He was in the hospital dealing with some health issues. Buddy, you hang in there because when they're done with you, you're going to have more energy and feel like you did when you were 18, 19 years old, my friend. I hadn't forgot about you. Now, the New York, now you guys have heard about that idiot, that brain dead man child, Fetterman, the Pennsylvania senator who could barely walk and chew gum. How he decided, how Schumer decided to give the man child what he wanted. And that was, he doesn't have to wear a suit and tie when he's on the floor of the Senate. So, the dirty, filthy animal is running around the Senate floor wearing his dirty shirts, you know, unbuttoned halfway down his chest, his, you know, cargo shorts and sandals. It's like a day at the beach for this fool. What a clown. What an absolute clown. And I blame Schumer for allowing it to happen. And, you know, of course, the Fetterman is laughing, says, I can't believe the Republicans are losing their mind over this. That's because it's called standards, you fool. Something, obviously, you have not taught, you were not taught, because your parents had money and they were Democrats, liberal Democrats, so that shows, that should tell you all you need to know. So, yeah. So, apparently, the, um, the New York Post, uh, sends a reporter to restaurants dressed like Senator Fetterman. And he has refused entry into these restaurants because of the dress code. And that's a correct, and that's what they should do. So the Gateway Pundit reported that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat in New York, ditched the Senate dress code in order to accommodate man-child Senator John Fetterman, Democrat Pennsylvania, who dresses like a homeless drug addict. The dress code of coats and ties for men and business business attire for women still applies to staff in the chamber. Oh, it's another rule for thee, but not for me. The Democrats are famous for it. So on Wednesday, man-child Fetterman arrived at the Senate looking like a slob in a short sleeve shirt and shorts. While Fetterman has managed to receive special accommodations to disrespect the halls of power, the New York Post experiment of dressing like Fetterman and trying to gain entry to some of New York City's finest restaurants shows that at least some restaurants still have standards. The Post sent reporter John Levine to uh, area restaurants dressed in Fetterman's trademark hoodie, sloppy gym shorts, and sneakers. Levine quickly learned that the disrespectful attire gained him scorn and mockery, but not admission. The New York Post reports he would not be permitted here, sniffed a Metter D at Daniel on the Upper East Side, 
where a seven-course tasting menu runs $275. Quote, we have turned away guests for being improperly dressed regardless of their occupation, she continued. At the famed La Bernardine, a suited maitre d' named Julian served up an amuse bush of stinky eye when the post arrived. No athletic word, he, I'm sorry, no athletic wear, he said flatly, staring the post down and denying even a nibble of Chef Eric Rippert's $480 dinner and wine prefix menu. Oh, you know, oh, you don't know, oh, this fool didn't, did too? This, the man-child, Fetterman, showed up at the French embassy at uh, the ambassador, Laurent Billy, who was having a party to celebrate the Paris Olympics. And he showed up wearing his basketball shorts and his dirty utility shirt. I imagine the French, or, or I mean, I, I, everybody else is dressed appropriately, but this fool, this man-child, and he's just laughing and giggling. What an absolute fool. Pennsylvania, nice job letting this, that, I just cannot believe you guys did that. Oh, and that was on September 14th. That was the party at the French Embassy. What a disgusting piece of shit he is. Did I say that out loud? No. Oh, my bad. It really is. All right, maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you haven't. Hundreds of migrants continue flooding over the border overnight. This was updated on the 22nd of September, four days ago. This is bad, guys. If you've seen the pictures, it's called the Beast. It's a migrant cargo train, and on it has hundreds and hundreds of illegal aliens who have been riding the Beast through Mexico right up to the the border. And, and hundreds have crossed the border again at Eagle Pass. Now, Border Patrol says at least three have tuberculosis, and they're in El Paso. So over 11,500 have inundated the small Texas town of Eagle Pass in recent days. And tens of thousands have now overwhelmed New York after they're being bussed north. You know what? I've got no sympathy for New York, Chicago, any of those big blue cities. You're all so happy to be sanctuary cities and say, we have to support these people. We have to support them. Well, they're getting a chance now to put you know, their money where their mouth is. You want to be a sanctuary city? Enjoy. Have at it. Don't want to hear about it. That's your problem. As a matter of fact, it's such a problem in Chicago. A couple of the aldermen have uh, petitioned to put a... Uh, uh, the referendum on the ballot for this election coming up and it, it, the uh, referendum as to whether or not Chicago should be a sanctuary city. The alderman said the, the politicians said it because it looked good in the paper and, and they all got, you know, kudos for it, but they didn't have to pay for it. The taxpayers do. So these aldermen, and I give them credit for it, said, you know, what? we're going to put it on a referendum, put it on the ballot. So all you people in Chicago, 
do not complain about being a sanctuary city. You're going to have a chance to say yay or nay. So it's up to you. And if you chose, if you choose to be yay, you want to be a sanctuary city. Okay, fine. Stop your complaining. Open up your wallets because that's what's going to be. Now, border officials. Now there's a. Uh, I mean, there, there's footage of this, and it shows hundreds of more migrants flooding over the southern border after leaving a cross-country cargo train known as the Beast. Now, border officials have been left scrambling after being overwhelmed by refugees in recent weeks, with the small town of Eagle Pass, Texas, becoming an epicenter of the crisis, as over 11,500 people have flocked through in the last 10 days. Many have traveled to the border of Mexico's largest railroad network, known as the Beast, which has sparked further controversy after a number of deaths and injuries were reported from asylum seekers filling the vessel to the brim. On Friday, uh, footage shared to X, formerly Twitter, by journalist Juan Mendoza Diaz, shows hundreds of people marching into Eagle Pass in the early hours of the morning under torchlight. As the camera panned over the migrants, many smiled and waved, and Diaz said they told him they arrived by the train, despite Mexico officials announcing the partial halting of the beast this week due to the spate of problems. The crisis escalated overnight Friday, as at least three cases of tuberculosis were reported among the migrants of El Paso, Texas, almost 500 miles away from Eagle Pass. Um, the reported admission from the migrants that made the way to Texas on a train comes after the beast was supposedly partially shut down after a half dozen people were dead or injured on the freight. But you can see it. Now, uh, all you got to do is go to uh, dailymail.com. You'll see it there. They've got the videos. See it for yourself. And it's stunning images show how this huge train, crammed full of migrants in recent weeks, because hundreds were seen cheering as they clung to the sides of the train this week as they, they departed the Mexican city of uh, Zacatecas as it made its way north on the 750-mile journey to the border. On Monday, at least 8,000 illegal immigrants were apprehended on the border. As the relentless wave of migrants continued to pour into the U.S., a tense back and forth has erupted between the Biden administration and Texas officials criticizing the president for a lack of action. Rolando Salinas the mayor of Eagle Pass, slammed Biden on Thursday after the influx devastated his town of just 29,000 people, seeing a surge in robberies and violence since the refugees hit the community. Over 11,500 migrants have flooded in town the last 10 days, a number that is set to continue soaring as the crisis shows no signs of slowing down. The worsening situation has led to stunning images of migrants lined up waiting to be processed while Texas border agents resorted to using razor wire to bring the surge down. Families were seen in eyebrow-raising images being helped through the razor wire in recent days, with many having traversed difficult terrain and waded through the Rio Grande River in hopes of making their way to the U.S. The dangerous route has taken many into the U.S. also saw a three-year-old boy die on Wednesday after he and his family were swept up and tides on the Rio Grande, near Eagle Pass. And reports indicate another middle-aged man also drowned in the river this week. The Rio Grande has become an epicenter of the national struggle over the migrant crisis, where Biden officials have been cutting down razor wire that is hastily put back up by their Texas opponents. 
Oh, yes. Very good. Yes, yes, yes. Glad to see them doing that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Texas will never give up on our efforts to secure the border banks added in a tweet. And the footage shared by Texas border czar Mike Banks, a Texas National Guard soldier, was seen fleeing a large portion of wire back over the river to replace the wire the Biden administration cut yesterday. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, an outspoken critic of the Biden administration's border policies, who has bused at least 35,000 migrants this year to sanctuary cities, also saw a floating border on the Rio Grande torn down this month after it was deemed dangerous to border crossers. Abbott's attempt to both share the strain of the influx and bring the situation to national attention, despite claims Texas is far more prepared than northern cities, saw New York City Mayor Eric Adams admit to the residents last week that they will lose their city without intervention. Well, what's the problem? While problems at the southern border have been plaguing immigration laws from the U.S. for years, the issue escalated significantly at the expiration of Title 42 in May, a pandemic-era border policy that altered the powers of officials to detain people across the border. The day the policy expired on May 12th, the number of illegal border crossings topped 10,000, a figure that was maintained for several days. So there you go, people. And they just keep right on going. I, I can't stand it. I can't. You know, it's an invasion. Well, what are you going to say? What more can I say? Can't say a lot about it. <laughs> oh, perhaps you've heard this one. And You know what? I got to do this, guys. Sorry. I know you guys don't like it. But Augusta Precious Metals, they paid me to do this. So I'm doing it. If you want to pay me what they paid me to not do it, I'll do it. <laughs> All right. Um. Hi, everyone. Donald Lowry here, and I'm the marketing director for Contra Radio Network. You know what helps me sleep well? Physical gold. Gold IRAs help people diversify. The best gold IRA company is Augusta Precious Metals with thousands of happy customers. Learn why Americans get gold IRAs. Get Augusta's free guide. Text CONTRA to 68592. That's C-O-N-T-R-A to 68592. Or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. For the past nine years, you've been listening to John Jeffers talk about prepping, politics, and anything he thought you should know about. Hello, I'm Sydney Jeffers, and John is my dad. You know, some people will take the chance to unlock infinite possibilities to change their future. Some will not even try at all. Which one are you? You see, my dad started selling data storage for people. He thinks being a prepper means backing up and saving all your data on your computers and cell phones. Being prepared means not just on the lookout for a disaster coming your way, but for everyday life. It's a fact that people have had their hard drives crash, computer and phones stolen, even lost or damaged. There are lots of companies offering to store and save your data, and they mean to charge you a pretty penny for it too. Mm -hmm. But with Got Backup, you only pay $9.97 a month for six terabytes of storage. My dad says that this is the best value in the industry, so you owe it to yourself to be his customer. Don't be the person who waits until it's too late when you've lost all of your important pictures, videos, music, paperwork, and data, 
and say to yourself, I should have turned the key and got back up. So, intelligentsia, the question remains, which person are you going to be? Go to www.john-jeffers.com. Again, www.john-jeffers.com. And be my dad's customer. You'll be glad when that day comes. From the DMZ to the NATO front, this is Contra Radio Network. Broadcasting from the Augusta Precious Metals Studio, this is the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. All right. Now, some of you may have heard about this, and I just caught it yesterday. And it happened like four days ago. And that's how the mainstream media, look, you have to understand something about the mainstream media. They're going to tamp down anything that makes the liberals and the democratic agenda look like the pile of dog shit that it is. I mean, they'll spray it with perfume and tell you it smells like gardenias and daisies and roses. It's really smell is nice. Yeah. Well, apparently... I, I personally, I've never heard this ever happening, but apparently this happened before to the same uh, school districts. Zero children at 13 Baltimore State schools passed the math exam. And now the parents' groups are calling on leaders to step down. They are not going to step down. They will not. They're making too much money per year in the school district administrations off the property taxes, which keep going up. And what are you getting for it? You get this. Now, a slate of Baltimore schools have sparked outrage after zero students passed their state math exams, with almost 75% testing at the lowest possible score. The poor performances came in the latest round of Maryland's state testing, where 13 high schools in the city, a staggering 40%, failed to produce a single student with a proficient score in math. This is educational homicide, said Jason Rodriguez, deputy director of Baltimore-based nonprofit People Empowered by the Struggle to Fox Baltimore. The activist said there is no excuse for the failure, which has come after years of warnings over the city's poor education standards. It also comes days after a scathing new study found that schooling across America fell to dire lows during the pandemic, concluding that one-third of fourth and eighth grade students can't even read at a basic level. How is that possible? What? Oh, that's right, because the teachers' union and their minions and their membership are too busy indoctrinating children into socialist ideas and gender identities and pronouns. That's important. Not reading, not math, not skills they're going to need for the rest of their life. This is so... I, if I was... Oh, good. The concerning results, which were first raised by Project Baltimore, also saw 74.5% of the students in the 13 failing schools score just a one of four on their test. 
the lowest a person can score. Some of the city's best-known schools, including Patterson High School, Frederick Douglass, and Reginald Lewis, made their way onto the list, while Baltimore City Schools also received, get this, $1.6 billion last year from taxpayers. So it's not a funding issue. We're getting plenty of funding, Rodriguez said. I don't think money is the issue. I think accountability is the issue. How about this? Here's the question there, Mr. Rodriguez. Where'd the money go? $1.6 billion. Where'd it go? Where did it go? We know where it didn't go. And you know what? They're not going to answer you, or me, or anyone else. What they are going to do is they're going to keep getting that money year after year after year because they don't have to, look, they don't have to show anything for it, apparently. Now, alongside the huge investment from the taxpayers, the school district also received $799 million in COVID relief funding from the federal government. Rodriguez's group has previously held rallies over the mounting educational crisis in the city and in 2021 led calls for Baltimore City School CEO Dr. Sonia Santalisis to resign over low test scores and falling graduation rates. The frightening situation has come six years after another report by Project Baltimore again found that 13 schools in the city had zero students test proficiently in math. We're still dealing with these same issues year after year, as Rodriguez continued. It's just scary to me and alarming to me because we know what's happening now. You know, it's just opening up the floodgates to the school-to-prison pipeline. He says, I'm beyond angry. And this is why we've been calling for the resignation of the school uh, CEO. While lack of funding may not be to blame, a bombshell study published this month by the Center on Reinventing Public Education found that 16 million students were chronically absent during the pandemic. The millions of students had missed more than 10% of school days during the 21-22 year, which is twice the number seen in previous years. More than 8 in 10 public schools also reported stunted behavioral and social-emotional development in their students due to the pandemic, according to a May survey cited in the report. How many times are we going to, how, many, how much longer are we going to keep blaming the pandemic? No. It was the fools who shut down the schools. They're to blame. They're to blame. And they're not going to take any responsibility for it. Now, Project Baltimore was reportedly able to produce the results through a source, and the state is not due to announce the official results until later this month because they need to do some redaction and, well, cooking the books. The results are allegedly expected to be heavily redacted to confuse the number of schools underperforming. You see, in my opinion, the government uses redaction way too much. They do it to avoid accountability, to avoid responsibility of those, you know, the leaders. Because real leaders, they really need to hide what they're doing. A real, true leader they say, this is what's going on. They open the books, they show it to you, and say, this is it. They don't hide behind the redaction. And government uses reduction way, way, way too much. And they get away with it because the courts allow it. So in a statement following the shocking test results, Baltimore City School District said, 
Baltimore City Public Schools, City Schools, appreciates recent one-time and ongoing increases in funding from our community. Guys, I'm not making this up. This is what these fools put out. City Schools uses the funding to increase student achievement. Really? Our complete 2023 Maryland Comprehensive Assessment Program math data paints a genuine picture of our progress. What, more people fail than you thought was going to? What, what is this? But make no mistake, these recent increases do not diminish or patch over years of chronic underfunding that has directly contributed to our current outcomes. That recovery takes an equal or more significant amount of time to remediate. No, it does not. And you know what they gotta do is they gotta open the, the, the money books, find out where all that money went. I'm gonna tell you where it went. It's called salaries, teacher salaries. Now, teachers' unions, whenever they want more money, and every, you know, look, everybody, everybody deserves a raise. They do. Well, let's make it reasonable. But every time, what, they, what the, uh, the teachers' unions and the school districts say is, it's for the children. We need this money raised for the children. And yet, none of the money ever gets to the children. They don't. It always gets misappropriated, lost into the thin air. Where to go? Where to go? Where to go? So right now, the facts are clear. City school students have earned two consecutive years of improved math scores. <laughs> I don't see how that's possible. Have earned two consecutive years of improved scores on the math following national decreases during the COVID pandemic. Seven of eight grade levels experienced growth in math between uh, school year 21-22 and 22-23, mirroring growth, mirroring growth in Maryland overall. We acknowledge that some of our high school students continue to experience challenges in math following the pandemic, especially if they were struggling beforehand. The work is underway to improve outcomes for students, but treating student achievement as an if-then proposition does a great disservice to our community. You know what? How about who cares about the service to your community? You can't produce one student to pass the math exam. This is crazy. And you, and here, you know, and you got the same parents. They went to the same schools. They're not going to be much help. They aren't. Uh, so what is, they'll eventually find a Republican somewhere in one party Baltimore and deep blue Maryland to blame and the compliant media will run with it. You know they will. That's what they do. Ugh. I know, I look, I know. Yeah. What if, if it's your kid? I would have pulled him out. Now a few preppers out there, uh, social scientists, suggest our end times are near based on previous fallen societies. Uh, this is from uh, Bro Bible by uh, Douglas Charles. Thank you, Douglas. Perhaps that time traveler from the year 2027 who claims to be the last person on Earth isn't just a big hoax. Because a new book End Times by social scientist Peter uh, Turchin, Emeritus Professor of Ecology and Evolutionary Biology at the University of Connecticut, suggests that our end times could be happening right now. 
I was trained as a theoretical biologist. I worked at the interface between mathematical models and population dynamics of animals. I started with insects, voles, and lemmings, and things like that, Turchin told IFL Science. Then I decided to switch to studying humans. I'm pretty much the same mathematical and analytical apparatus, but applying it to different questions. So from his book's website, back in 2010, when Nature Magazine asked leading scientists to provide a 10-year forecast, Turchin used his models to predict that America was in a spiral of social disintegration that would lead to a breakdown in the political order circa around 2020. The years since have proved his prediction more and more accurate and end times reveals why. <clears throat> you see, the lessons of world history are clear, Turchin argues. When the equilibrium between ruling elites and the majority tips too far in favor of the elites, political instability is all but inevitable. As income equality surges and prosperity flows disproportionately into the hands of the elites, the common people suffer, and wide and society-wide efforts to become an elite grow ever more frenzied. He calls this process the wealth pump. It's a world of the damned and the saved, and since the number of such positions remains relatively fixed, the overproduction of elites inevitably leads to frustrated elite aspirants who harness popular resentment to turn against the established order. Now, Turchin's models show that when this state has been reached, societies become locked in a death spiral and it's very hard to exit. The description adds, Our current cycle of elite overproduction and popular immiseration is far along the path to violent political rupture. That is the only one possible end time and the choice is up to us, but the hour grows late. Turchin and his team based their hypotheses on the studies of over 200 examples of societies collapsing. He does admit that he isn't trying to predict the future. He's just looking for trends by applying mathematical analysis to human societies that could, could signify we are closing in on our end times. Human societies are very complex. You have to understand economics, sociology, anthropology, climatology, and many other things. It's the sheer complexity of the subject that has prevented simple approaches, and that's why it took a while. We are still at the beginning of this path in understanding human societies using mathematical tools, he told IFL Science. So what do you think? Is he right? I'm saying he's not wrong. And I've heard of, I've heard of Professor Turchin on, on, on numerous occasions. So he's not, he's not saying it's just like they just popped in and he's like new at it. No. That is not the case at all. <laughs> what we got here? Okay, from my own Illinois State Senator, Craig Wilcox, from the 32nd District. I live on the outskirts and am a constituent of Senator, or Senator Colonel Wilcox. Now, you've heard about the assault weapons ban that was passed in Illinois. What you haven't heard, this is, this is how crazy stupid this is. This is how you can tell that people in government, when they're writing laws, they don't understand how humans react. They, they say they do, but they don't. And they, and they rely on the force of government to make you comply, no matter how stupid the idea is. 
So, the con- there's this controversial firearms law requires owners to submit an affidavit by January 1. I will not be doing that. You can kiss my ass long before that. I am not doing it. When the so-called assault weapons ban legislation was passed in Illinois in January of this year, Colonel Wilcox was an outspoken opponent. He's claiming the measure violates the U.S. Constitution and is a major infringement on the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding gun owners. Legislative Democrats in the Senate and the House used their supermajorities to pass the bill, and, of course, Governor J.B. Pritzker signed it into law on January 10, 2023. The so-called assault weapons ban is now listed in the state statutes as Public Act 102-1116. Even though the law continues to be challenged in federal court, on Monday, September 18th, the Illinois State Police released rules to implement part of the law. See, if, uh, I'm going to say it. ISP has never been a big supporter of your rights. What they're a supporter of is whatever the governor tells them to. So, while the new law bans a variety of so-called assault rifles, it allows owners of those firearms to lawfully keep possession as long as they submit an endorsement affidavit through their firearm owner's identification card account before January 1, 2024, affirming they own the firearms prior to January 10th, 2023, the date in which the law took effect. What they're saying is they're trying to grandfather everybody in. They are registering firearms is what it is. Under the controversial law, Affidavits must include the applicant's FOID card number and the make, model, and caliber, and serial number of each firearm. The Illinois State Police says they'll begin accepting affidavits online starting October 1, and they must be submitted online through a FOID card account by the end of this calendar year. Colonel Wilcox says, I maintain my belief that the law is unconstitutional and believe the U.S. Supreme Court will ultimately strike down the law. Well, you better be doing more than just saying it, pal. This is the problem with some of these Republican state uh, politicians. Yeah, that's all they do. So that's what they want you to do. They want you, they're gonna, they want you to register your firearms and they're doing it a backdoor way. Because they, they tried doing it decades ago, didn't fly. So, yeah, I won't be doing it. I will take my weapons to Wisconsin before I freaking do that. I will. I don't care. They are wrong, and they know it. Well, they are. They are wrong. What do I got here? Yeah. This is the Contra Radio Network. CRN for all the right reasons. Have you or someone you know ever had a hard drive crash? Or maybe your cell phone or tablet died, taking all of your pictures with it. You've thought about backing up your data, but all of the plans out there cost too much money for just a little bit of storage space. Well, now there's a solution. Got backup? 
That's right, Got Backup will allow you to back up unlimited devices, up to 6 terabytes of data for only $9.97 a month. And that's not all. You can earn commissions by referring friends and family too. Got Backup is the only data storage center that allows you to earn income on your referrals. Check out Got Backup now. Log on to john-jeffers.com. That's john-jeffers.com. Log on now. From the DMZ to the NATO front, this is Contra Radio Network. Broadcasting from the Augusta Precious Metals Studio, this is the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Indeed it is. Now, you heard the stinger from the DMZ to the NATO front. Well, let's take a look here. I haven't done this in a while. And I'm gonna let I'm let you into the demographics here for the Contrary Network for the Jeffers brief. I'm gonna give you the countries um, in order of pop. You know how many you know how many downloads and listens we have. The United States, Germany, Spain. This is interesting. Spain has 59. I'm, I want you to know why. My daughter lives in Portugal. And there's not one download from there. I have to jump on her ass about that. Then there's Australia, Mexico. Mexico. Mexico is very interesting. Dem- demographic there. The Netherlands. Look, the Netherlands. We used to get a lot of downloads and listens from the Netherlands. And it's dropped off for a while. Then we got some new and uh, uh, Ecuador. Some new listeners. Sweden. Off again, on again. United Kingdom. On again, off again. Denmark. On again, off again. Chile, that's when we don't get many, you know, Honduras. Used to have a bunch in Ireland, but not, not, not so much anymore. Puerto Rico, that's really not a country, it's a territory. I would like, to, look, just, I wish they'd quit screwing around, just make Puerto Rico the, the 51st state and move on. Uh, Romania, Russia, yeah, we got listeners in Russia. Venezuela, we do. But in the United States, and this is in Germany, is like number two. So they love us there. Hello, my German comrades. I see you. <laughs> but in the United States, get this. And this is really interesting. Florida. Florida has 13% of the downloads here in the United States for Contra Radio Network. Followed by Texas, California, which is a big surprise. Washington, again, a big surprise. Then, of course, my own state, the tyranny state of Illinois, Georgia, Ohio, Arizona. Arizona, the home of our uh, fellow co-host, Von Weehunt. Hey, Von, we'll talk to you soon when your show's going. Uh, Wisconsin, that's a good one. Colorado, Indiana, Virginia, even New York, Tennessee, North Carolina, Missouri, Utah, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Louisiana. Oh, yeah. New Jersey, Oklahoma. I like Oklahoma. Wyoming, Maine, Oregon, Iowa. I like Iowa, too. I like the Amana colonies there in Iowa. 
always like going camping there. Uh, Arkansas, Montana, South Carolina, District of Columbia. Now that just has me really wondering myself, thinking, I wonder who in District of Columbia is listening to us. Drop me an email, contraradio at live.com. Let me know who you are. I don't want your name, just what you do. What's your job? Connecticut, Nebraska, Maryland, Kansas, and last one is Vermont, not surprisingly. But that's okay. There you go. That was in order of the states that have actually listened to the Contra Radio Network. We used to have a bunch of people in the Dakotas, but they all dropped off the face of the planet. New Mexico's kind of interesting place. I like New Mexico. What else have we got going on here? Texas, I like Texas. Florida, of course. I was I was a I'm a Florida native, so there. So there you have it. Canada used to we used to get a bunch of them out of Canada, and that's dropped off, dropped off. Now it could be because we're being censored by Canada. It's very possible we're being censored by the Canadian government there. It's very possible because you know. We carry Johnston's show, and they don't like him. Australia, got 13 in New South Wales. I think I know who that is. Hey, buddy, it's been a long time. Haven't heard from you. <laughs> the United Kingdom, they said they're off again, on again. They got a couple there coming out of uh, England. Sweden, again, they get a couple here and there. And then Germany, oh, wow. All over the place. Well, it is Oktoberfest, so enjoy your party time, boys and girls, for that matter. Anyways, yeah, I just wanted to put that up to you. It's been a while since I've uh, shared that information with you. Now, we, now here's something else I want to share with you. Jake Lane, he's still in the damn political prisoner. I did an interview with him a few months ago. He's still a January 6th prisoner. I was able to do an interview with him. You can look in the archives. You'll see it. He's still there. I don't. He's been in there for, what, going on three years now? That's ridiculous. You know, and this idea, first of all, I believe that the jury pool and, and the federal court where these guys are being, being persecuted, I think the jury pool is corrupted and biased because they try to move it out of there and the courts will not let them move it to a different location. Will not. Will not change venue. Will not do it. Which tells me a lot. Should tell you a lot too. There's a reason they don't want the change of venue. But anyways, Jake has arranged for me and for my buddy uh, Kirshner there on the lightning round and on the Kirshner files, you know, David uh, to um, uh, to be a part of the Blessed News Network, BNN, Blessed News Network. I think it is. I, th I, I think that's it. Anyways, they're redoing it, and my show is heard on that network on Saturday afternoons at three o'clock, which is fine. You know, I am now with some of the biggest names in conservative talk radio. Names you've heard, names you know. And Dave and I have the privilege of being associated with him 
thanks to Jake on the Blessed News Network. It's true. It's true. So I wanted to say thank you, make a public thank you for that, Jake. I know. I would love, you know, I like Jake, and sometimes he drives me bonkers. And Jake, listen to me, brother. Do whatever you got to do. Get out of there. Because, and, I, and this is why. Because once he's free from federal control, because they're going to have him go through the halfway house and all the other shit, because that, that, that's the nonsense they do. But once he's free from federal control, he can act. I, I pity the people, because he's going to become a really rocket man on the Blessed News Network. Oh, yeah. Because I can guarantee you he's taken notes. He's written letters. He's taken notes. And what I really like is you're going to hear about them. When, once he's released, I said, he's free from federal control. And I, mean, I should say federal control and custody. Once he's free from that, you're going to hear what's really going on behind there. You're going to hear it firsthand. And I'm telling you, it's going to make... It's going to make your blood boil. It already makes my blood boil what I know. So, it is imperative, you know, and, and a lot of people say, oh, we got to elect Trump, we got to elect Trump. Hold on. What the hell has Trump done for the January 6th, guys? Nothing. He could have, his last act as president could have been to pardon everybody arrested. Well, that didn't happen until he was gone, out of office. Regardless, if he gets back in, that should be, you know, day one, hour, uh, no, minute one. Get them out of there. Because I, I, I believe what Jake tells me, that the prisoners are being physically abused. Look, I worked corrections. It's a hard job. I've worked the jails. It's a hard job. But I didn't go beating people just because of what their political opinions were or any reason. If anything, I fought back when I was attacked. And it happens. When you're attacked, you have to fight back. You've got to. So my point is that. It's pretty simple. Anyways, when you hear these people are going to be held responsible. They will be held responsible. So, anyways, that's what I wanted to say about that. Get me crazy, I'm telling you. Hey, uh, any farmers out there? I don't know much about this, so I don't know if it's true, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you uh, some information it's about um, what the corn industry doesn't want you to know. This is from MASH. It's a story by Gina uh, but. Betalady. How do you pronounce her name? Betalady? Okay. I'll go with it. So, I mean, corn is everywhere in the American household. This ubiquitous crop is on our plates, products, even in our gas tanks. Now, I I don't know if any of this is true, but I'm going to put it out there. Maybe it's because of its versatility. It can be considered a vegetable or a grain depending on when you harvest it. Because it's been modified to resist all kinds of external threats, 
a bumper crop is insured every time so you can have a perfect corn on the cob every summer. And I do like corn on the cob. I do. I like to roast it. The wife has found a new way to do it in the microwave. It takes two minutes. I'm even more of a fan. So yes, corn is a modern wonder of technology found everywhere and thanks to big agriculture, big AG, and it is out there. And it is not a friend to our local farmers. Never has been. Those corporate entities that make millions from pushing factory-farmed corn across the country. But this abundant crop has a dark side. Industrial farming with advanced technology has done far more harm than good to the planet. Farmers, cattle, and workers, for a matter of fact. There are even questions about the health impacts and safety of big AG corn. And the way American farms corn puts the entire industry and our food supply at risk. There are many things in the corn that the corn industry does not want you to know. Like, for example, corn farming methods increase air pollution. You may not like it, but the fact is we all have to breathe. I'm not getting around that. So right off the bat, corn farming was recently found to be one of the top causes of air pollution. Studies show that 16% of all pollution caused by humans can be attributed to industrial farming processes, including fertilization, seeding, and harvesting. These processes cause small toxic particles to enter the atmosphere that we actually inhale. Recently, some researchers wanted to explore this problem in more depth. In the first study of its kind, the journal Nature Sustainability published a 2019 report that broke down each process involved with industrial corn farming and how they contribute to air pollution. So they looked at the entire pre-harvest process around the U.S. from farming to fertilizer manufacturers. By combining corn production and emission models with what is known about how pollution impacts human health, they discovered that corn farming could be responsible for a stunning 4,300 premature human deaths per year. Here's here's the news flash for you. GMO corn may be bad for you. Now, most corn in the U.S. today is produced by Big AG. These companies use genetically modified organisms, GMOs, to create herbicide-resistant corn. Now, uh, the corn is a GMO that carries a pesticide. It's called BT corn. And BT corn is a GMO that carries a pesticide to ward off pests. The health hazards of this product are, highly, are hotly debated. GMO foods have been accused of being an allergy trigger, even though research shows that they are no more likely to cause an allergic reaction than their non-GMO counterparts. Another accusation links GMOs to cancer and other health conditions. While the American Cancer Society has said there is no evidence linking the GMO pesticide uh, glyphosate Glyphosate, glyphosate well, to cancer, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, part of the World Health Organization, called GMOs a potential carcinogen in 2015. Now the WHO dismissed the study, calling it tainted, but the agency disagrees. That said, many other studies are calling the safety of glyphosate into question. For example, new research has linked it to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Another challenge to the GMO crops is that it allows for the rise of super pests. In Canada, the corn borer, a moth that can devastate crops, adapted to resist genetic modifications. 
Over time, according to some researchers, a similar resistance could become widespread among moth populations. If crops are at risk from pesticide-resistant pests, stronger and potentially more harmful, solutions may be developed to protect the corn. Here's another one. Industrial corn farming creates toxic algae. Now, most of us understand that our oceans are polluted by many byproducts of modern convenience. Corn is no exception. Across America, our watershed resources are falling victim to toxic algae. This issue is primarily caused by industrial corn farming. These algae blooms come from the runoff of the phosphorus and nitrogen found in corn fertilizer. Algae outbreaks force authorities to shut off water supplies, which can cause water shortages. Ironically, these fertilizers are promoted as an eco-friendly way to farm. Now, the U.S. Farm Bill has authorized programs in the past that encourage fertilizer runoff. Although they are not harmful themselves, they create a toxic form of algae in the water. Even the Environmental Protection Agency recognizes nutrient pollution as one of the country's worst problems contributing to climate change. The issue is so prevalent that NASA recently designated satellite tools to track these algae blooms, which can clearly be seen from space. They estimate that nearly 2,000 tons of marine life has been killed due to these blooms, including fish, sea turtles, and marine mammals, and that damage is just not limited to wildlife. When algae uh, comes ashore at beaches, harmful toxins are released into the air that cause respiratory problems in, hus in humans. Now, corn-based ethanol could, even, could be even worse for the environment than gasoline. And corn crops are one of the most wasteful. Now, factory farm corn is an incredibly wasteful crop. First, it requires a large amount of water to thrive. Because the corn industry is so immense, comprising about a third of all industrial farming in America, that the need for water during dry seasons and periods of drought is high. Irrigation must be employed. But as of 2017, corn uses more irrigation water than any other crop in the U.S., with some 12 million acres of irrigated farmland. Some systems are inefficient too. The increased need for irrigation also leads to more fertilizer runoff and nutrient pollution, and there is your algae blooms. There you have it. So, plus much of the harvested crop ends up as waste. Only about a third of America's corn harvest is used for food today. The rest is split equally between ethanol and livestock feed. So nearly 50% of harvested plants are tossed aside and burned away by many corn producers, including stalks, leaves, husks, and cobs. Researchers are now seeking ways to repurpose this corn waste into activated carbon rather than add more injury to the environment with these fires. So is, car is corn harmful to ecosystems around the globe? Some say it is. So industrial carming, do they create new risk? Oh, yeah. And corn crops cause soil degradation because it sucks so much nutrients from the soil. You, you can't, corn, look. The American Corn Bill has lost a third of its topsoil. Some of the farms losing as much as 50%. That's soil degradation. That poor soil quality means worse yields of corn, which could be quite a blow since this region produces 75% of the corn in the U.S. And oil, I'm sorry, oil, and soil degradation is costing farmers millions of dollars in fertilizer to compensate for increasing infer infertile soil. 
In other words, more and more nitrogen and phosphorus rich fertilizer is required, which contributes to greenhouse gas emissions and toxic algae in a vicious ecocycle. Corn feed harms cattle. Eh, probably. You know, one third of all factory farm corn is used for livestock feed. And this leads to pain, illness, and death for livestock. Cattle are natural grazers. Their bodies are designed to ingest and process grass and other fiber-based foods. This helps maintain the microorganisms in their stomach system and aids in digestion, keeping the animals healthy. Unfortunately, cattle grazing is getting more expensive for farmers than feeding them grain. Since corn is overproduced, it's cheap, available as feed. So feeding cattle grain is also more convenient for, for monocropping than grazing. It makes cattle gain weight faster, which is good for the beef industry. Now, despite these benefits, eating grain is harmful to the cattle. These animals have a unique stomach system adapted to eating grass, not grains. Eating grains causes gas buildup, making them bloat. This leads to inflammation that stresses their lungs, which can get so bad that cattle may slowly die of asphyxiation. Besides this agonizing death, corn feed can cause other health issues in cattle, including abscesses, tremors, and acidosis, which are prevalent among cattle factory arms. Uh, and it's killing small farms. So, there. There's a lot wrong with it, my friends. How much time do I have left? Uh, okay. Well, my friends, it looks like we are at the end of... Yeah, we're at the end of it. That's okay, my friends. That's all right. Thank you again for listening to this week's episode of the Jeffers Brief. I do appreciate it. Go to john-jeffers.com. Join me. You're going to be sorry if you don't get in on Got Backup. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. Until next week, I'm John Jeffers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>